0: Hey everyone, Uh, welcome back to another episode Uh, Today is Sunday, it's currently 11.46am, almost lunch Uh, I have a great update here Uh, So, I made some really good progress on setting up the new Bow Digester So, let's start from the beginning So, the base has been completed Um, I also packed dirt all the way around the frame to help support, um, push against the frame um, At a kind of a slope Um, So, that's all nice and compacted Um, we went ahead and assembled the heat exchanger or the, um, radiant floor heating system. Um, so that's all squared away now. So I used PEX, um, P-E-X, um, radiant floor tubing, their PEX tubing. Um, they have two different types of tubing. They have radiant, um, which is the oxygen barrier one. And then they have just the basic PEX for like your regular water lines. Um, so I created a grid. Um, I have 13 lines in this grid. Um, so that way the water can dis- can be displaced through those 13 lines. Um, I'm, good thing I measured everything really good because it fits perfect underneath the bowel digester. Um, so I set that up, got that situated, got everything kind of, um, you know, where I wanted it. And then we went ahead and um, unfolded the bowel digester. Um, and it's it's pretty big it's like I said probably about 13 feet long somewhere around there about 13 14 feet Um, and yeah it looks good so I unfolded it and I started setting it up I put all the ports on the piping on um, and I actually filled it up halfway with water already so it's actually filled up halfway and I am filming all this so this will be a YouTube video I will release once um, the project is completed but I went ahead and filled up the biodigester halfway with water. And um, from there, while it was filling up yesterday, I went ahead and put a fence line, chain link fence around the um, biodigester area where I'm going to be keeping everything safe. The reason for it is I want to keep the animals, especially our cattle, away from the biodigester. And um, I also made the fence area. Um, big enough so we can have like a, a small garden or even a decent sized garden um, right behind it um, So the fence line is in I, I just used scraps the the chain link fence was scrap um, recycled from another um, Job that I recently did right the one where I replaced the chain link fence with um, Wood fence on my other property. So I recycled that from my other property um, I did have to buy six extra t poles. So I put those T-posts in, um, and yeah, we have a fence now. And luckily, I was digging under my house, and I found an old, well, it's actually a new, never used um, gate. Uh, I didn't even know I had it. It was all just covered with dirt and everything. Um, but yeah, it was still brand new. It still had the like cardboard protecting it, um, but it's just dirty. Um, so I used that as the gate. So now we have a gate to come in and out. So yeah, now the digester is protected. And um, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. This morning, what I did was I uh, mounted and built a very simple, clean style frame to support the solar hot water heating panel. So I put that together this morning. Um, I also mounted the solar hot water heating panel onto that frame. So now it's mounted at an angle. So that's done. I also flushed out the solar hot water heating panel. And good thing I did because there was a lot of like debris or dirt um, in it. So I flushed it a lot so it's nice and clean now. Um, I also ran the lines um, to the solar hot water heating panel. Um, I have to cut them and actually plumb them in. But I ran them really long. That way I can cut them down to size. Um, so basically I am now ready to start doing the plumbing set, um, process on the solar hot water heating um, so what I need to do is uh, finish making my connections to go to the solar hot water heating panel. I need to put my circulation pump on, which I have. I'm going to be doing all this today, this afternoon. Uh, I need to put the pump on. I need to put, um, bring electrical out there to power that pump. I also need to put my temperature sensor on the output port of the solar hot water heating panel. That way I can set the parameters or set points of when i want my solar water heating pump to turn on and off so what i'm going to do is i'm probably going to play around with it a little bit i'm probably going to have it start pumping hot water at but maybe about 100 degrees once it hits 100 degrees it'll start pumping the water and then if the sensor you know if the water temperature sensor that i set up Um, drops below a certain temperature you know, while it's pumping water it'll actually automatically stop pumping water because we don't want to have cold water going under the biodigester at all we want only hot water Um, and then so once it hits the lower point that I set it'll shut off the pump and wait for the water in the panel to heat back up again Uh, and then as soon as it triggers on say at 100 degrees as an example it'll go ahead and turn on and start pumping again and that's going to cycle all day every day now, at some point, because it's a very small system, um, the, depending on how much heat gets exchanged through the grid that I created under the bow digester will kind of determine how often the pump will be cycling on and off. Now, at some point, if it's super, super hot all day long, I, I don't quote me yet because I'm doing the testing as soon as we hook it up. Um, at some point, the, the water coming in and out of the system will start to equalize more because we're pumping, you know, the hot water, and then hot water, hot water, hot water, and then eventually it's going to be all hot water. And then from there, the pump will actually just stay on and just circulate that water through the heat exchanger I built. Now, if the temperature in that solar hot water heating panel gets um, too high, I do have two um, safety re- pressure safety relief valves on that solar hot water heating panel. So that way I don't have to worry about um, the lines blowing up or damaging the solar hot water heating panel. Um, The pressure relief valves will automatically open and discharge that pressure and heat. Um, That way we don't damage anything. Um, I will be tying in a T in line. Um, That way I can make sure I can always um, fill it up with um, water from time to time just in case the pressure relief valve engages and it purges water out, I need to be able to replace that water, right? So I'm um, having a T tied into the system where I can easily just flip a valve to pump water back into the system and purge the air out. That's going to be very beneficial for the future. Um, so yeah, the temperature sensor is going to control the pump to turn on and off depending on the set points I set. Um, and then, yeah, should work pretty good. In fact, after I've flushed the solar hot water heating panel out with water um i put the water holes on the bottom of the panel and i let it run through the panel and let me tell you the output was really really hot it's basically the exact same style panel pretty much as the system i have on my home that gives me free hot water every day and it works extremely well no complaints it just works so that's what we want we want something that doesn't have a whole lot of maintenance we want something that just works. So I was extremely happy to see how hot the water was coming out of the panel. Especially for just one panel. That was pretty um, pretty impressive. Like I said, I can always add another panel. I do have two more extra panels that I could put in series and tie them together if I needed to. But I believe one is going to be perfect enough to maintain a, um, a temperature within the biodigester. Uh, what else did we do let's see so yeah I mean we did a lot you know I had to pound all these poles in put the fencing in you know set up the grid assemble the grid um, you know start setting up the bow digester build the frame for the solar hot water heating panel mount the solar hot water heating panel flush it out you know get everything ready to go so what I'm doing right now is I'm actually driving across the island I'm going to home depot And I need to buy some more supplies um, in order to make my last connections to the solar hot water heating panel. I need a couple of connections to connect to my water pump. Um, I am using a hot water water circulation pump. Um, It's it's pretty big. I mean, it's not big, big or anything, but it's not those cheap units. It's a a decent unit. It's the same unit that I have on my home that pumps water. Um, So I need to get some fittings to fit that, which is three-quarter inch. Um, And, yeah, just run the electrical out there, get all the programming squared away this afternoon, and then tomorrow morning, the system will be online as far as the heating. Because I do want to get the biodigester up to a certain temperature um, before I start putting manure in it. Like I said, I only filled the biodigester up halfway, so I still need to fill it up the other half. So if I can get the water in there already up to, you know, a decent temperature, it's going to benefit me because then I can have gas production a lot faster, way faster. Another thing I'm doing is I am installing a dedicated temperature sensor inside of the biodigester. So on three of my regular hot water heaters, I have two hot water heaters on my other properties. Plus, I also have the hot water heater on my off-grid home. And I'm utilizing a Sonoff device. I'm utilizing Sonoff TH-16, um, which comes with a temperature probe. Um, and and, And I love it because I can use the app. So like on my phone, I can easily look at all my hot water heating tanks at one time. I can see the temperatures. I can monitor the temperatures. I can also set alerts or alarms with the temperatures. So that's really, really unique and really nice. So that way, not only am I heating it with solar, but I can monitor the temperature within the biodigester with the sensor. Um, And then from there, I can, you know, make adjustments accordingly to whatever I need to do, you know. But at least I can keep an eye on the temperature. Because you can, like, touch touch your biodigester and make a guess of what, you know, how hot it is. But at the same time, it's better to have a temperature sensor that reads the actual temperature. Because then you know where you're at. Because the idea here is I want something that's going to be very stable over a very long period of time. That way I don't have to mess with things too much. So that's where I'm at on that. So I need to hook that up. I do have one already. Um, And I ordered actually um, two more because I'm going to actually be doing something else as far as adding a couple more sensors. But for now, I do have the main one that I need that I can hook up to today, this afternoon. Um, which also, you know, works on Wi-Fi. So another in- interesting thing is, I'm not, sh- not sure if you guys are aware of this. So when you buy products, a smart product, whatever brand it is, um, a lot of them have their own app that you can control that smart device with, you know, turn it on, turn it off, set a schedule, so forth, which is great. That's that's awesome. Well, you the problem is, is that you, in order to have, okay, uh, I should put it like this. Two separate brands and two separate apps. Within their apps, you cannot communicate with other devices. Okay? So in order to accomplish that, you can use what's called IFTTT. Okay? It's an app that you can download. And what it does is it's applets. And you can basically... They have a bunch that's created already if you want to utilize that. Or you can create your own. And basically what that does is it allows different devices different brands to communicate with each other so i can do something 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 like this if i have the sonoff device connected on a temperature sensor and i also have a smart plug plugged into my say circulation pump for my hot water i can tell the i can create the the applet which is very easy i can create the applet to say hey when the temperature of the probe gets to 100 degrees trigger on my smart plug, which is plugged into my water pump, and pump water. And then once the temperature drops below a certain temperature, turn off that other device, and it'll work every single day, right? So that allows you to really um, mix products together and control products, you know, independently, or one product control another product, or vice versa. So I will be utilizing um, that IFTTT Um, Program or app And um, I'm going to be doing Some pretty unique things with it Um, So I do actually have that IFTTT um, um, Set up on another system Where it controls a different device Where it controls some water valves To turn on and off Um, I have some Wi-Fi water valves That I can um, easily trigger on and off To turn off and on Um, But I also have it being triggered on By a temperature sensor And they're two different brands But in order for me to make it work, I utilized the IFTTT um, app to make it work. So if you guys are unaware of that, take a look at it because that might surprise you. I mean, you can really, you know, mix things up and be innovative and, and accomplish things that you would never think that you'd be able to do. So just a quick tip on that. But yeah, guys, the setup is looking great. It's really looking great. In fact, yesterday afternoon, after I was done doing all that work, we already had the fence up. And the cattle came around and they came right up to the fence and they realized, oh, they can't go there no more. So they had to walk around. So that's exactly what I wanted. Now, as far as the hoop greenhouse is concerned, um, I'm going to try to see if I don't have to put it on. If I don't have to put it on and spend that extra time and money on materials and labor putting it all together, then I won't do it. So I'm going to allow the current system that I set up with the heat exchanger with the radiant floor heating. I'm gonna see how well that works. If that works good and it maintains a, a constant temperature, um, then I'm just gonna leave it alone. But if I feel that the wind, because we do have high winds, if the wind, and it gets, it does get chilly at night, it gets pretty cold at night. If I feel that the wind and the cold at night is cooling off the digester because it's blowing directly onto it um, too much, then I will definitely consider putting the hoop greenhouse on. But for now, we're gonna leave it off until i realize that we absolutely need it you know there's no sense of putting something on unless we absolutely need it so save some money save them some time and some labor so we'll see how that goes so we're going to be doing some testing with this um, radiant floor heating system i'm setting up i believe it's going to work really good really really good um yeah and then now as far as the biodigester it's actually a very simple setup process um i am really liking it so far um, but like I said, we need to get it up and operational and producing and doing its thing. And then, you know, we can, I can con, um, give you guys more of a real life review on how well it works. Um, now, keep in mind, the biodigester that I am going to be showing in my YouTube video, I, I'm not getting sponsored by them. They didn't reach out to me. They didn't ask me to do a review for them or anything like that. Um, I basically just wanted to try a different type of product. And so I went out and I bought it myself. And let me tell you, it was actually quite expensive for their biodigester. To me, I think it's a little overpriced. Um, but hey, you know, they price it the way they price it and it, it is what it is. You know, I, I can't really do too much about it. Um, so we're going to give it a run and see how well it does. Now, the other thing is too, the other biodigester um, that I had already that had a greenhouse on it, um, I actually um, loaded it up with a skidster on the forks and I took it. Um, to my mother's place Where she lives Because she wanted to use it As a greenhouse Just a greenhouse So we're removing the bag From inside of it That was leaking really bad um, And basically We're just converting it To a basic greenhouse So she can grow some plants And whatever So um, I already moved that So that's off my um, You know Out of my yard And out of the way So I'm One less thing in my yard Plus you know She's reusing it It's actually a good structure So it's good for a greenhouse For sure But yeah, we've been doing a lot of things, guys. A lot, a lot of things. Because keep in mind, right before I started this project, I literally just finished doing the wood fencing. And I just, the very next day, boom, I'm already, you know, doing this project. And this project is going to be completed, um, I'm hoping, by tomorrow afternoon. Today, my game plan is to finish up plumbing all the solar hot water heating up, the the, the sensors, the programs, the water pump. Um, get all that squared away. I'm also going to hook up the gas line to the biogas digester. I'm going to put that into a hard pipe um, in order to protect that gas line from getting damaged. Um, But that's why I'm going to, across the island, I'm going to go and pick up all the supplies I need to finish up that stuff. And then tomorrow morning, if I can finish it today, tomorrow morning the solar hot water heating system should be online and pumping hot water under the biodigester. Um, and then tomorrow, while that's doing its thing, I'm going to actually go out and get 80 gallons of cow manure from the pasture. There's cow doo-doo all over, right? So um, I can easily go and scoop up um, cow doo-doo. Um What I'm going to do to try to make it a little bit easier on me, what I did before was use a big trash can, but it gets really heavy, like real heavy. So I'm going to use um, just five-gallon buckets, and I need 16 five-gallon buckets of cow manure. That's going to be mixed with water in a slurry. Poured into the bio digester, and then I'm going to f- just top it off with water until water comes out the other end. And then I know the bio digester is 100% full, and then from there, I just let it sit and wait for the gas production to start. Once the gas production starts, I got to double check to make sure it's flammable. Um, once it is flammable, then basically I can let the bio gas bag on top of the bio gas digester fill up and start using it for cooking and you know, whatever I want. That's the whole purpose of this. Now, I do have one, two, uh, let's see, two and a half five-gallon buckets full of food waste already. Okay? Um, By tomorrow or the next day, I should have three five-gallon buckets of food waste ready to go. But um, we do have to wait for the biogas digester to start producing um, usable gas first with the manure. Then we can start feeding it. Now, the maximum amount of food waste that I can put into this biodigester is 5 gallons per day. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food waste. But that's also the maximum, and I don't need to put the maximum in I could put in, like, you know, um, 1 gallon, I could put in 3 gallons, 2 gallons, whatever I have, I can put in there daily. So I don't have to meet the maximum because that would be the maximum. So I do have a threshold of, you know, from zero to five gallons. So I already have a reserve of waste food ready to go. Um, And like I said, by the time this biodigester actually gets to the point where I can actually put food waste in, I will probably have four or five five five-gallon buckets full of food waste. So I will already have enough food to dump in there um, to go for a while. And, And especially when you first start off a biodigester, you don't want to flood it with a bunch of food right away. Um, I'm only going to put about um, two gallons of food waste in um, for the first day. Uh, and then the second day, I'm going to put in um, probably about a one gallon. And then the following day, on the third day, put another one gallon. Because for the first two weeks, you want to take it easy on putting too much food in there right away. You want to let the microorganisms build their colonies in the biodigester you want them to start breaking down that food if you put too much food in there at one time it you know it's going to be a little bit longer for them to break it down because they haven't had their their time to multiply and build their colonies so you want to take it easy for the first two weeks of feeding regular food but once that two weeks is over then it's at will whatever you want to do if you want to put one gallon in or five gallons in per day go for it right so i just want to kind of explain to you guys you know the you know the pros and cons and kind of how how you should start up your system essentially. So yeah, looks pretty good. I did do a measurement from the bio digester to the edge of my house. It's exactly 20 feet away. Um, so yeah, I'm perfect, and I'm glad I did move the bio digester where I did because it's closer to my house. It's not far away, um, which also means um, everything that I need to run from the bio digester to my house is a lot shorter distance, it's not too far away, you know, electrical, gas lines, you know, all this stuff, if you run a, if you put your just far away, then you have to buy more supplies, you know, more money to, put, you know, to protect your stuff, and, you know, just a lot more stuff going on, so, but yeah, shooting across the island, I'm gonna go pick up supplies, and then come right back to the off-grid ranch, and yeah, get all this stuff installed, so I'm pretty, pretty excited, guys, um, I'm trying to think if there's any um, points I should uh, mention in this podcast. Oh, um, I, oh yeah, so I should also mention is um, talking about biogas digesters itself. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a small biogas digester, okay? And there's nothing wrong with having a big one. You just got to understand the differences between the two. When you have a small biogas digester, that means you can only feed it very small amounts of food per day, like really small amounts, Okay, which also means your gas production is only gonna your gas production will be limited, right? Because you can only put so much in. But when you have a bigger biodigester, you can put way more in, which also means it converts to more gas faster. Now there's also what's called retention time. From the time that you put food waste in until the time that that is finally broken down into just nothing almost to fertilizer and it comes out the other end. Is what you call retention time. The amount of time that it sits in the bio digester before it's ejected from the bio digester. Now, the longer retention time you have, the better off you're gonna be. Because then the bio digester is, so like the biodigester digester I have is big and long. And I wanted it long for a reason, because that means the retention time is gonna be really long. So that means I'm gonna be able to suck out as much biogas as possible. Completely From any food waste that I throw in there And by the time it finally comes out You know Out of the end And which is going to be a long time from now If I put something in today it That part that breaks down to almost nothing When it finally comes out We're talking 60, 90 days from now At least At least Probably 90 days or more Yeah, probably Yeah, easily 90 days or more Before that comes out So my retention time is really long So that's really good Because I can, like I said, suck out as much energy um, from that food waste for biogas. So you want to be aware of that because if you have a smaller biogas digester, not only can you only put X amount of food in there per day, but the retention time is going to be a lot shorter because the biogas digester is smaller, right? And I did notice that when I first started biogas many many years ago I started off with a really small biodigester I built just to prove the concept to myself that it worked and I told myself if it worked then I would continue moving forward with it because I like the concept of it you know using your old food waste to generate free cooking gas or free heating gas or whatever you know I like that concept and so when I was experimenting with a very small biodigester I did notice that when I was putting food in because it was so small That the retention time wasn't long enough. And I actually had like solid foods coming out the other end of the fertilizer side, you know. And that was also because I was putting too much food in there. So, you know, pros and cons to everything. But you don't have to have a big one and you don't have to have a small one. Find a size that will work for you, right? So there's no right and wrong answer. It depends on your situation, what you're trying to accomplish, For me, I want a lot of cooking gas on demand at all times. So the system I have can easily produce um, six hours of cooking gas on a double burner stove per day. That is a lot of gas. But that's also assuming that I'm putting in five gallons of food waste per day, which I'm not. I'm probably going to be putting in, you know one gallon or up to three gallons per day and then some days there might be five gallons going in and then there's going to be some days where it's only one gallon. You know it just depends on how much food waste we have. Um, so I do have my fat I have these black buckets that I bought from Home Depot and I purchased the um gamma lids. They're airtight lids I used to use before I bought them from Amazon and I put them on the bucket so that way when we have food waste we just scrape our plates into the bucket and we put the lid back on because the lid screws on really easy. It's an airtight lid. Um, so we're just saving all our food waste. So instead of throwing all the food waste in the trash that would stink up the trash and leak out of the trash in the back of the truck, which is a mess sometimes, we just throw it in a bucket. And I can throw it into the biodigester now. So not only am I using the food waste for creating en- some type of energy, but my trash bags that, are- that I have to take to the landfill are cl- pretty clean because there's no food waste in there anymore. Right? There's no stink smell coming out of the 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 trash can anymore because there's no food waste in it right also means no flies also means um you know no bag ripping and having a mess of you know food coming out you know i I know everyone's had a bag of trash that's ripped on them at one point you know and it's a mess sometimes especially when you got a lot of food in there (coughs) so it's a win-win all the way around for sure and I like using the buckets because the buckets will last pretty much forever. They sit in the house, and all you do is you fill them up, and then you go back outside, you dump it into the bio digester. You know, you rinse it out, put it back in the house, and you just keep reusing it. So it's a um, pretty good um, system there, I like. Uh, I also am, I've already. in. Um, installed and uh, made the line for the water that I'm gonna be using to put into the biodigester when I put food in. So I have a spigot that I ran out there already. All I need to do is put like a T-post in the ground so I can actually um, mount the spigot you know up high. But I already have the line, I already have the spigot connected. All I need to do is mount it to a pole right next to the feeding pipe for the biodigester. So that way water is right there on tap, on hand. That way I don't have to worry about bringing a water hose over or carrying water. I want it to be very user-friendly for myself and for my family. So that means all we have to do is just take the bucket of food waste out there every day or every other day um, and dump it in there, turn on the water, flush it down into the system, and that's it. Done. You know? Now, I do want to address one more thing about feeding your biodigester. You don't have to feed your biodigester every day. Okay? You, you, You can actually, like, let's say I feed the biodigester today, you know, one gallon of food. Well, I can go for a week or two without feeding it. It'll still produce gas until it's used up all the energy from the food that I've already put in there. Right? But it doesn't mean you still have to put food in there. You don't have to put any food in there. Which means it also will not produce as much gas or no gas at all. But it does, the microorganisms in there are not dead. The microorganisms in there will wait until there's more food put into the system. And then they'll start devour, you know, start breaking it down, turning it back into biogas. So even if I wasn't to feed the biodigester for you know a couple of weeks at a time, it's not the end of the world. It's it's perfectly fine because as soon as I put the um, food waste back into it, um, the the microorganisms will start breaking it down. So it's not like something you have to feed every day. I'm sure there's going to be days where I don't feed it at all, and that's perfectly fine. So it's not it's not that crucial that you have to feed it every day. The one thing that is crucial is the temperature of your biogas digester and the pH, okay? So I do have a pH tester um, that I'm going to be testing the output water from time to time. Um, Probably at least um, once a week or so, you know, when it's discharging some of that um, fertilizer out, I'll just go ahead and test that to see where the pH is at. And we kind of want to keep a pH right around 6.8, 6.8 to 7... Um, To 7.5 is is good. Um, But if you start dropping below 6.8 or 6.5, then you really want to start keeping an eye on it because you want to keep the pH up higher. Because if the pH is too low, that means it's becoming acidic in the water, which means um, the microorganisms may start dying off. Uh, Then you may have to start your system back up. Now, if you do notice the pH dropping in your biogas digester, it's actually very simple to, to bring it back up. Um, just get more manure. Stop feeding it food and get more manure and feed the manure into it daily. Uh, and then until you start testing the pH coming out where it's back to where it needs to be. And then you just wait for the gas to start producing again. So you know it's a it's a it's an easy fix. You know, it's not the end of the world, but you do want to pay attention to the temperature. And you do want to pay attention to the pH. And then obviously you want to feed it. It's like your stomach. Treat, you know, your stomach gets hungry. You want to feed it. Right? So kind of think about it like that. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, I know this was a long podcast. I'm sorry, but I want to cover a lot of information in this. Um, But, yeah, we're we're looking up, guys. Definitely look for this video because I'm I'm recording everything I can about it. Um, So that way I can share with you That way maybe in the future If you're thinking about getting into biogas You have some information available to you um, To help better your situation Maybe you can get some tips and tricks from me Or maybe you come up with a better idea On how to maintain your system Or heat your system or whatever You know I, I don't know it all All I'm sharing is what I'm doing And what my thinking process is And if you can take away anything from that Then great You know If I fail at something, then I'll share it with you guys. If I succeed at something, I'll share it with you guys. You know, That's what it's all about is experimenting. And that's kind of the high. That's the high I get from working on this type of projects is first I get the high of assembling and putting this all together. I get the high of experimenting with different techniques and technologies. Um, And then obviously the outcome is some good usable cooking gas. You know? So if I get this system running the way I think it will be running for the next 15 years minimum, I should be perfectly fine and I never have to buy propane again. So that is the game plan. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys on the next one.